0: Thank you, Linda. Well, apparently I forgot to bring my own cheering squad. <laughs> now, all you have just cheered, can you buy me a cotton candy to after service? <laughs> Thank you, Linda. It's great to come together and worship together our try and God this morning. I said it last week too, but I, I'm compelled to say it one more time. It's so good to hear you sing, church. Every time you sing, my heart lips for joy. I need that, so thank you for encouraging me through your singing this morning. Today we are continuing our sermon series in our Cheltons DNA, who we are as a church. We have been examining our mission, and for the way of review, last couple of weeks, we talked about the importance of upward, why it matters to worship our triune God. All the other gods that you functionally worship, whether it be the gods of success, God of money, perhaps God of approval, in the end will only leave you empty and thirsty for more. But our trying God is the only one. When you meet him, he will satisfy you. When you fail him, he will forgive you. So worship Him, not just with a part of your body, but with your everything, with your emotion, with your mind, with your will. May all that worship our triune God. And that worship does not only take place in vertical element of a UN God. It happens in communal way. There is an importance of corporate worship. And that will lead right into what we are talking about today as you dive into inward part of our mission, why it matters for us to care and nurture for one another. That's the very church that God has called us to be. I don't even think I have to ask this question, have you Da da da. You all have. You have been discouraged at one point or the other, and perhaps God used your best friend, perhaps used your family member, or perhaps you saw someone in the church to just encourage you and you thought you just said nothing left to keep going, but the little encouragement picked you up and you're able to get going, pick yourself up in the Lord. If you have ever, ever been there, you know why church matters. And I pray that as you dive in, I pray that this truth of God's word will pierce through your heart, that worship and existing of our own does not quite work with existing community, church matters for all of us. With that deal, let's open up the word of God to Acts chapter 2. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament, if you don't know where to find it. And as you go there, let me give you a brief context of what this chapter is all about. Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died, and rose again. Now he's ascended to heaven and he's just sending down his Holy Spirit. The chapter that we are about to read is the beginning of the church. It's the Pentecost. So, as we read, we will think and dwell on the characteristics of the gospel transformed community. How the gospel transforms our community, we are about to read that. And as you read, I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart and may we become church like this early church. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Let me read it for us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This is God's word. So let's today take a look at the three characteristics of the gospel-transformed community that we observe from this text, the beginning of early church. First, that there was clear devotion to the gospel and to one another. First, we look at that one of the observations we make is that there was a clear devotion to the gospel and to one another. Secondly, we see in this text that there was frequent gathering and much caring. The characteristics of this gospel-transformed community is that there was frequent gathering and much caring. Lastly, third observation we see in this text is that there was clear commitment to unity and peacemaking. There was clear commitment to unity and peacemaking. So let's dive in. So first, characteristics of the gospel-transformed community we see is that there was devotion to the gospel and to one another. See how verse 42 begins. It begins by saying, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The word devote in the Bible and also in English, when you devote yourself to something, You give yourself away for the cause because you believe in that. Because whether it be the giving of your emotional investment, whether it be the financial resources, when you devote yourself to something, you are giving yourself away for the cause that you believe in. And what did this early church devote themselves to? What did this early church devote, give themselves away to? The apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So first, let's talk about what was at the center of this apostle's teaching that this early church devoted themselves. If you read just a few verses before 36 and 37, it shows the crux of what the apostle's teaching was. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? So first and foremost, the crux of apostles' teaching was that they were proclaiming crucified Jesus. And not only that, go a few verses before, 32, it says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. In the end, what these apostles were teaching day in and day out was crucified and resurrected Messiah Jesus Christ. That was at the foundation of this gathering. I often, and sometimes, get questions, Jin, why do you preach Jesus crucified resurrected every Sunday in your every sermon? Because that's what unites all of us, church. If I only talk about or talk, quote, the scholarly sources, I might reach you a book, Nerds, but I might lose all the others. If I only talk about history, oh, you historians, yeah, this is the best, but what about any other of us? If I only talk about footballs, what about some of non-Eagles fans? <laughs> all right? If I only talk about movies, some of I, I might capture some of your imagination who watch that movie, but I might lose all the others. But what unites all of us, whether you're Caucasian, African-American, whether you're Asian or Latino, whether you're poor or rich, whether you're educated or uneducated, even whether you're believers or non-believers, what you need to hear is the very central message of the gospel, crucified and resurrected Savior. That's what brings all of us together in our church. So by God's grace, we pray that every single Sunday you will hear about Jesus bled, who died for our sins. And some of you non-believers who are here, we are so thankful that you are here. And you might say, oh yeah, I heard that. Jesus crucified and resurrected. Why does that matter to me? I don't really buy that. That's understandable. I am still very thankful that you are here. But may I ask you, though, don't you really want to be known for who you are? Not only for your strength, but your quirks, your flaws, your failures, and at the same time fully accepted and loved for who you are? That's actually the modern anthem of the 21st century. I want to be accepted for who I am. Guess what? Jesus offers it for you. At the cross of Jesus Christ, he not only knew the best side of you, he knew the worst side of you, yet he still chose to pursue you and die for you. That's the centrality of what we believe. You might still say, well, I don't quite buy that. That's okay. I'm still so thankful that you are here. Don't tune us up because what we are about to talk about today, though, you still want to be accepted and loved for who you are. And that's what God's church is all about. Because what Jesus has shown us on the cross, we want to do the same. We want to be that kind of a community who loves and accepts one another without judgment. Don't you want to be part of that kind of community? Well, if you like the smelling of what we are cooking here, I pray that you join us, continually come back. Don't tune us out, but I sincerely pray that our Lord will continually find you. Open your eyes to him. So first and foremost, the first commitment of their teaching was, the first the devotion was that they were committed, devoted themselves to apostles' teaching. Well, what was another thing they committed themselves to? They devoted themselves to what? Fellowship, right? When you talk about, fe- when Bible talks about, or even devotion itself, the word, oftentimes devotion, it's voluntary in its nature. In other words, things that you give yourselves to are often not required by the law. The federal law, in case you didn't know, federal law does not require you to be married. The federal law does not require you to have children. But you have given yourself because you believe in the cause. And as a result of your devotion, that is voluntary, you are being transformed to love that person well, love the family well. So oftentimes, things that you give yourself away are not necessarily a requirement. I used to pastor in Princeton before I got here, and I worked a lot with the university students and PhD students. I often asked them, how are you? And number one answer I hear is like, I am so busy. Then I thought, why are you so busy? Sometimes, one-third of the time, I'm hearing, oh, yeah, my classes are full. But two-thirds of the time, my answers were like, well, I have this drama club. I am traveling into my a cappella group. Well, I have to go to this eating club, which is like fraternity and sorority, and I'm thinking, but none of those are requirement for your graduation. Those are all extra curriculum that you're giving yourselves away. But oftentimes, when the students graduate, move away, things that they talk about, what they treasured, what they value the most, was all those activities that they gave themselves for. They were not required, but because they believe in it. Church is like that. I hope I didn't twist your arm to come here this morning. You are not required by the law to be here this morning, but you devoted yourself to God's church. And as a result of your devotion, because you do not treat this community as a contract, but a covenant and devotion, you are being transformed as you knock off rough edges with one another, as you dwell together in one body of Christ. And C.S. Lewis talks about it in his book, Four Loves. Out of all those love, whether it be Storge, Eros, and all those, the most non-biological love is friendship. Those are non-necessary. Often it's voluntary. But those are one of the most novel love that you can find. You give yourselves away. You devote yourself. And as a result of giving yourself to the body of Christ, you are being transformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ every day. I have often quoted David Brooks, who is a New York Times columnist and sociologist. In his book, The Second Mountain, he talks about this commitment, devotion, covenant, in contrast to contract. Hear what he says here. A commitment is different from a contract. A person making a contract is weighing pros and cons. A person entering into a contract doesn't really change. She just finds some arrangement that will suit her current interests. A commitment, on the other hand, changes who you are, or rather embeds who you are into a new relationship. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs clarifies the difference. A contract is a transaction. A covenant is a relationship. Or to put it slightly different, a contract is about interest. A covenant is about identity. It is about you and me coming together to form an us. That is why contracts benefit, but covenants transform. Church, what it does the church mean to you? Is this just a contract? As soon as you disagree, as soon as things get difficult, you're like, I'm out, it doesn't benefit me. That will never transform you. You will still be caught in your self-absorbedness. But even when things are so difficult, when you stick with the body of Christ through thick and thin, it will slowly, surely, when you devote yourself, when you give yourselves away for the cause, it will transform you. Do you know why? Because that is at the center of the gospel. Do you think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? If Jesus was marked by self-preservation at the cross, and I say, I didn't do anything wrong, I'm going to come down a cross, then Jesus leaves, but we die. But Jesus was not marked by self-preservation, but self-donation. He gave himself away for the flourishing of the body of Christ so that we may live. So church, if you want to find yourself, give yourself, lose yourself, die to yourself for the flourishing of one another. They devoted themselves to fellowship for one another's sake. A funny thing is that everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. But what the gospel calls us is that we need to die to ourselves for the whole being. Will you commit to the body of Christ? Today, if you have heard my preaching a while, you, you know I don't do this, this regular basis. But I want to make it as tangible as possible today for you. Some practical application that you can do, a challenge to you. I'll give more as you go along. But first, let me give you some practical challenge here. Summer is a season of transition. Before you know it, there will be a lot of us transitioning out, whether it be for a new job or a new school. We bless them. We commit them to the Lord. We let them go with blessing. Yet at the same time, there will be a lot of people coming to our church for the first time. Do you know how vulnerable thing it is to visit church alone for the first time? They have just uprooted themselves. They walked in alone. Some of you who are sitting here for years, you don't think twice about it. For them, am I alone here? Who's going to welcome me? Church, can we commit ourselves to be a hospitable, welcoming community, especially to those who may be for the first time, second time? Look around. You may well be sitting with somebody who's been here 40 years. Introduce yourself to them if you don't know them. Who knows? You might also meet some new people there as well. And welcome them. Know where their heart is at. They are at the vulnerable place, new place, new location. May we commit ourselves to this fellowship, welcoming all different bodies of believers. Secondly, by grace of God, we are very intimate and tight community groups in our church. But a lot of them are at the max capacity. And one of the emails I get very regular basis are like, Pastor Jin, I'm new to our church. I would love to join a community group. Can you please find me a community group? I need more community group leaders. Church, will you willing to sacrifice yourself? Give yourself. I know you have a great group, tight group. I'm very grateful for your groups. But according to Barna Group research, people tended to stay in the church when they make seven meaningful connections. Do you know where that seven meaningful connection takes place? In a community group. So if you're willing to host a community group, we'll give you all the training that you need. Please let the church office, and we'll set you up. Third practical application. Here in verse 42, it says that they committed themselves, or past teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and what? Prayer. Right. As a church, we have been praying together every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Our elders have been doing a great job leading their time, and we encourage you to come and join us. If you already have a prayer partner, that's fine. And we are not even asking you to come every week, but once a month, just show up. We, you need a Zoom link for that. Contact the church office. We'll send you a Zoom link so then you can come and pray together because that's what the characteristics of this gospel-transformed community was like. They devoted themselves to prayer as well. May that be the characteristics of, of us that we devote ourselves to first crucified and resurrected Messiah, and we commit ourselves to fellowship with one another. Point number two, second characteristics of this gospel-transformed community is that There was frequent gathering and much caring. When you read verse 44 through 46, which I'm about to do, notice how many times the word together shows up. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke Bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In this three verse word together shows up three times. In fact, this Acts chapter two begins with the word together and ends with the word together. Verse one, they were all together. Verse six, the multitude came together. Verse forty four, all believed were together. Verse forty six, attending the temple together, broke bread in their homes and ate together. There was quantities qualities, intentionality, and spontaneous in their togetherness, in their gathering. Church, it does not quite work this way. Hi, nice to meet you, stranger. I got five minutes, but tell me all your hopes and dreams and aspirations and fears. Let's be best friend right now. Thank you, that was greatest five minutes ever spent. Goodbye, we are BFF now. The reason why your best friend is somebody as silly as my example was. It's because at one season of time, you have spent enormous time together with that person. You have chosen to invest yourself. I know we all are busy. One of my most precious commodities is time, too. But will you commit yourself to be generous with your time? One time, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, Jen, growing up, I used to love when my friends randomly knock on my door, and we just hang out right away. Now I feel like we have to schedule everything three weeks in advance. Can we be this kind of community that is marked by frequent gathering? That we don't just exist in silo, but we are eager to reach out to one another. Practical application number four. Church, this is my challenge to you. Next three Sundays, we have this challenge DNA series all the way till leading up to July 4th. In that time, I ask all of you, invite someone to your home. You can do that. If you feel comfortable, please do something. Get together and break bread together, do something. Church does not exist. If you say, oh, I don't like Chelten, what have you been involved to? Oh, only Sunday morning. No, Chelten is so much more than that. And let me specifically look at you gentlemen. Don't go home today and say, honey, you heard Pastor Jin invite someone, then I'll just show up, do something. I hate to make general sweeping statement here, but all the churches I have pastored to, ladies are so much better than gentlemen, as far as fellowship and gathering. Man, take somebody out for lunch. Do something. You don't have to just say, oh, I'm so bitch." You don't know how many hours I work. We all do. Yet it matters for us to dwell together in unity. And I would love to hear stories how the new friendship has begun as a result of you intentionally reaching out to one another. May we be marked by this kind of community who is eager to gather together, this frequent gathering. Not only that, this church was also marked by Frequent gathering and much caring. Read verse 44 and 45. What does it say? All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold the property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, this is not a communism. It's as if this church is a central committee. Let me collect all your possessions and everyone gets equal salary. When you say they sold all their possessions, that's not what it means. It does not mean communism, but it's talking about spiritual community. They cared for one another that much that my possession was as good as their possession. Those who are in need, they're willing to give anything for their flourishing sake. Will you be a generous friend, to church? Whether it be through your resources, whether it be through your time, whether it be through your emotional investment, without that, church do not exist. I think it's okay for me to say, um, I had a rough week this past week. If one thing happens, I'm usually fine. But when five, six, six unrelated things from one another completely fell off my shoulder, one day I was at the breaking point, I said, like, God, I just can't do it. So I just called a friend of mine here at the church, and I asked him, hey, can you pray for me? I'm just not doing well. And he's like, where are you? I'm coming. And I said, well, actually, I am busy. I did say that. Um, I, I'm, I gotta get sermon ready for Sunday. <laughs> but can you pray for me? And then I, I got convicted in my eyes. Like, well actually I take you back. Yes, please come pray for me. He came late at night. He heard all my sins that was within me. we were just praying together and I had a short, sweet cry in front of him after letting him know all my burdens that I was carrying. I don't think I would have made through this week without that. And after that, I just ran into another friend of mine here at the church. This guy is a busy man. He has two, three different jobs. He just tells me, "Jen, one of the church members had a terrible accident, friend of mine. So today I just spent, went to hospital to spend time with him. And I'm like, you did that? He's like, yeah. I just, I, I've been through hospital stay alone before. I don't want, don't want anybody to go through that. He took his busy schedule out to visit him in the hospital. That moved me. That really encouraged me. And there's another couple in our church, Chelton, who give up their home, open up their home, open up their so much emotional investment and time to help this couple who's struggling in their marriage. When I hear stories like that, oh, that led me to one sweet cry that I needed. Those people who are seeking for community, non believers, do you like the smelling of what we are cooking here by now? This is a good community. And children, if you're convicted, oh, I am not like that, why don't we be? This is the type of community that God has called us to. They're marked by frequent gathering. Don't hoard your time to yourself only, but also give yourself away for the flourishing of a whole body. So we talked about so far that this early church, the characteristics of the gospel-transformed community was that they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, crucified and resurrected the Messiah, and to fellowship. And their fellowship was marked by frequent gathering often. They were eager to gather together, so I challenged you to get together with church members. And also, they were so much caring. They were giving up their possession and time and all that. That's what marked the early church. But that's not the end. The third characteristics of this gospel-transformed community is that there was commitment to unity and peacemaking. Read verse 47 with me praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Did you see that? They were enjoying the favor of all the people. Then you might think, oh, they must all agree with one another. Or maybe like-minded people get along so they had favor with all the people. It's hard to agree with somebody who's from a completely different area, who has a completely different mindset. Oh, they must be all the same people. Well, I think not. Read verse 9 through 11. That shows a group of people. I cannot even quite pronounce their name, but I'll try my best. Just hear how many people from all over the place are here. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Parisia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Do Arab and Jew get along? Not quite. Somehow they all dwelt together, found unity from all different areas. Are we like that? Not really. We say, oh, are you from Fort Washington? I'm from Treasure, let me tell you. Oh, you're from Roslyn, aren't you? I'm from Glenside. We even have a bumper sticker with our zip code, 19038. Boom. Take that. Are you from here? Oh, no, I'm not from here. I'm from Hatbro. I'm like, it's all same. Just in case you're thinking, oh, I didn't know we were like that. Well, you're welcome. Now you know. (laughs) That's one of the first things I learned about this area. I'm like, oh, wow, they really pride in their location. But these people from all different areas came together, still found a favor with all different people. Not only that, I'm pushing here, but I'm half joking, but I'm dead serious too. I got this from another pastor of mine, pastor from his book, The Dynamics of Spiritual Life. But notice how much thinking could have been very different in this group of people. Verse 42, they followed apostles' teaching. What is that? It's talking about good theology. What denomination in Protestant prided themselves in good theology? Often Presbyterians, we got a good theology. Also, it must be Presbyterian church. Well, read verse 43. There are many wonders and signs. Now it sounds like charismatic church, isn't it? Do they dwell together? Oh. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the prestige to all. It's talking about social justice. Usually, mainline churches are really known for that. We cannot forget about us. Verse 42 and 46, they are breaking the bread together. Now it sounds like Baptist potluck. <laughs> Verse 47, praising God all the time. They did a dynamic worship. Now it sounds like a Pentecostal church. Or perhaps Anglican church in their own liturgical worship. Presbyterian, charismatic, mainline, Baptist, Pentecostal, Anglicans. Do we all get along that well? I'm pushing here. Yet also, you got the point, right? These group of people must have had a very different thinking and different thoughts, but somehow they found a favor with all the people dwelled together in unity and peacemaking. Church, how do you treat those who disagree with you? Oh, let me tell you, I don't like them. I often treat them as if they are my enemy. I'm like, you think that way? How dare you? When, how do you react when something's rubbed you just off the wrong way? All of a sudden I say, I'm going to other you. Don't even talk to me. I'm much better than you. Often we are like that. And I illuminate over it. It eats me up alive. But church, can we lay ourselves down and dwell in unity and peacemaking? How wonderful testimony would it be? How wonderful testimony would it be if somebody walks in a door and says, you and you are friend? Different culture, different race, different educational background, different political affiliation. But somehow you guys dwell together in unity. What's the secret? Because we believe in same crucified and resurrected Messiah. Wouldn't that be a powerful testimony to the world? And may we become a church like that. How's your heart this morning, church? I don't like it too. When just things rub me off in the wrong way, it eats me up alive. But do you think Jesus agreed with the decision of Pontius Pilate and Caesar? I'm sure he disagreed too. That led him to the cross. But even at the cross, Jesus Christ, our Father, forgive them. Jesus loved till death for the flourishing of the church. So may we, Chelten, a church of hope. May our DNA be that we truly commit ourselves to crucified and resurrected Messiah. And may we commit, devote ourselves to one another and to fellowship. By laying ourselves down, give your time, be generous friend, gather together, care for one another, and may we lay our preferential desires down and commit ourselves to unity and peacemaking, even when things are difficult. That kind of covenant community, not a contractual community, will transform you. Because even when thick and thin, you say, This is the church that God has called. May we be the agent of hope and the gospel and the peacemaking to the world. Can we do that, church? Let's pray together. Oh God, this is a lofty calling that you have shown us. The characteristics of this gospel-transformed community. God, I rejoice when I witnessed that. In fact, I was a recipient of it this week. Without those who came through, I don't think I would have made it when things were falling apart in so many different directions. God, we know we are busy. But Lord, would you allow us to really devote ourselves to the very implication of the gospel? Would you allow us to give up our times and resources and even comfort to care for those who are in need? And Lord, we all have our desires and preferences, our inclinations. And sometimes it's hard when things just don't go my way, when I disagree with somebody and I have to call them brother and sister. But, oh Lord, you did that. You died to tore down the veil. You tore the veil so that Jews and Gentiles can be united. You tore the veil so that we can be united. So may we, may our DNA as a church will be that kind of community who care and nurture, love one another even when things are difficult. God, obviously we cannot do that on our own. So we look to you for help and guidance this morning. Help us, O oh Lord. Make us more like Jesus. Transform us as you devote ourselves to you and to one another. In your precious name we pray. Amen.